Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gebbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is August 2nd. 2020, which means I am on day 232 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. In basketball, folks, the LA Clippers beat the ever-loving shit out of the New Orleans Pelicans, at one point leading by like 40 points and eventually breaking their own all-time record for most three-pointers in a game at 25. Yeah, the Clippers were on point yesterday. In fact, Paul George had three threes within like the first minute of the game. It was incredible to watch these guys. They played a completely different ball game than they had played the day pre, uh, the two days previous when they had played the LA Lakers. And I gotta say, this is the LA Clippers team I expect to win a national championship. I have said it before all season with a complete team, they will be the single most dominant force in the NBA. They did this. Without their two best bench players still in Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. With those guys coming back soon, there will not be a single team capable of even coming close to having the talent available at their disposal as the LA Clippers. Incredible game. Fantastic to watch. Could not get enough of it. To even make me more satisfied... The Lakers lost to the Toronto Raptors yesterday. The ex-NBA champs, Toronto, with almost no recognizable players on their team. Pascal Siakam is their number one player, if that puts things into perspective. And the Lakers just could not handle that Eastern Conference team. They play a different style of basketball in the East than they do in the West. And I truly believe what you saw from the Lakers yesterday and from the Clippers yesterday are the true versions of both of those teams, which is why I see the Clippers winning the national championship. Stick around today in your house and watch the Blazer game. It starts at 12.30. I am super excited. Portland versus Boston. This will be a great shootout of a game. East versus West. The Blazers need this win as they creep towards that eighth seed to make the playoffs. I certainly hope they get it. 12.30 on ESPN. I made a mistake. It's not ESPN. It's ABC. 12.30 on ABC. The Portland Trailblazers take on the Boston Celtics. Make sure and watch. The Padres got destroyed yesterday. 1-6 against the Colorado Rockies, a team they had just beaten the day previous. They play them again today to see who truly is the best in the NL West. I guess it all comes down to the third game of the series to prove who is best of three in that regard. The Mariners also lost once again and have continued to trail down their division into what looks to be an inevitable last place by the end of this shortened 60-game year. All I know about baseball is this. It's interesting when there's nothing else. 
But when you have the NBA coming back with a few games a day and the UFC for free yesterday, it just seems unlikely that anybody spent three and a half hours of their day watching a a baseball game with no fans in the stands to see where the foul balls land or who caught a home run with no you know with social distancing in place and just a different version of the game itself being played it's not that interesting anymore i'm sorry i love it because i used to play it as a kid but watching an entire baseball game is like watching an entire golf tournament. I can't do it. Just tell me the end result afterward. I am interested to know who won and who lost, but that's basically it. If it's if more than 10 runs were scored in a game, I might be able to stay glued to the TV for half of it. But other than that, if you can't guarantee me a high score, it's like watching paint dry. The UFC yesterday was fantastic. Many a knockout, a submission, a few decisions, but the main event with Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian was incredible, especially the end result being Brunson handing the first career loss ever in professional MMA to Shabazian, who was knocked out in the third round by Derek Brunson. TKO, flat out, fantastic fight. These guys went after each other the whole time. I was impressed. And anytime you get a free UFC, it's a good feeling. You know, I just, I didn't recognize some of the other fighters. Some of the prelims, unrecognizable fighters, yes, new guys, freshies, whatever. But they all put it out on the line because they want to be a part of that eventual pay-per-view, that sought-after high-paid event where they have a long-term contract with the UFC and they're well-known and they basically turn into characters that all the fans love or hate, whichever. And I know that these guys fight with all their hearts during these preliminary fights and during these free UFC fight night lives like last night and it was incredible to watch. There was a couple fantastic knockouts, a submission, a few decisions and folks, if you don't watch UFC, you are missing out. A lot of it is complimentary on ESPN or ESPN Plus. For the most part, the pay-per-views, they're still expensive, yes. And, you know, I personally, I don't pay for them. I just watch them a special way. But if you know somebody who's into UFC and they buy the fights, hop over to their house, practice social distancing or not, who really cares? And have a good time. Watch them. It's worth it. UFC has become one of the most popular sports in the entire United States. Yay! You have got to see this video posted online of, yep, only in Florida, a man who's bloody, clinging on to the front of a semi-truck, attempting to bash out its windshield with a metal object as this man, frantically driving the truck, attempts to shake the bloodied man off of the front of his truck by swerving back and forth down a Florida highway for nine miles before the police arrived and allowed the truck to pull over and took into custody the crazed and bloodied up man 
who for some reason or another was able to flag down a truck on the freeway and slow down traffic. And then when the truck driver did stop as a courtesy because he saw a bloodied man, the man jumped onto the truck driver's hood and the truck driver in a panic as the man began slashing at the windshield with a metal object began driving frantically down the highway with the dude in tow on the freaking hood of this truck holding on for dear life and still smashing at the windshield with a metal object. And these people driving next to this truck are hilarious in this video. The guy is having his girlfriend record the video, or maybe he's recording regardless. They record this, they drive up, get real close next to it, and then they drive past it and see a back view, and it's just perfect. They follow this truck to get this footage. The commentary they both exert in this video is freaking awesome. They even discuss whether or not they should call the police, and the guy says, hell no, this is awesome, let's keep going, and I couldn't agree more. How hilarious. You have to see this video. And again, I say, only in Florida. This is probably not even a weird thing. We're all mind blown by this, but this is an everyday occurrence in the armpit of America known as Florida. Well, folks, speaking of Florida, Tropical Storm Isaiah has just reached landfall on the eastern side of the Sunshine State, and it has, bring, it has brought winds of up to 65, even 70 miles an hour already as it travels north toward the east coast. This is just another just piece of icing on the cake of hell that is 2020, and I'm telling you, it seems like it's never going to end. With flooding and wind damage causing a panic and a stir in some areas on the east coast of Florida. I just can't imagine why you would want to live in a place that always gets hit by hurricanes. I mean, is it so great the rest of the year when you're not getting tatered by hurricanes that it makes sense to live in a place where at any given time in the summer, your entire life's work can get swept away by crazy windstorms and flooding and just everything you've ever built and accomplished can be destroyed by a natural disaster in the blink of an eye. I'm not certain that it's so great in that place to live that it's worth facing this crap all the time. I mean, I just feel bad. I have friends out there. A friend in Florida, she lives in Port Ritchie, I think it is, and you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that means it's right on the ocean. It's a bay town, and they're probably getting hit up by this storm. And to have to constantly check in once a year to make sure she's not getting just destroyed by a hurricane, that's a stressful thing. I can't even imagine how stressful it is for her who lives through it. So Florida, I'm sorry for you. But your weather sucks sometimes, especially during hurricane season. Godspeed. 
the butt of many diabetes-related commercial jokes, and certainly the butt of many Family Guy jokes, Wilford Brimley has passed away at the ripe age of 85. Yep. What did he die of? Diabetes. No, he didn't. But seriously, this guy has more credits to his acting career than just the commercials that we remember as a younger generation about diabetes. In fact, he was one of the stars in the movie Cocoon. He was also in the movie The Natural, a baseball flick. I love that movie. It's got Robert Redford. And he was also a spokesman for Quaker Oats. In fact, I'm almost positive the Quaker Oats guy and Wilford Brimley are the same person. I know the Quaker Oats guy is supposed to be a Quaker, and that's why he's dressed like a pilgrim or whatever. But man, they could be the same person. Just In fact, why don't we just take away the Quaker head and replace it with Wilford Brimley's face, and we can always remember when we eat some oats, the great and talented Wilford Brimley, who, you know what? He is probably, at this point, best known for his diabetes commercials, but it was all about diabetes awareness in his mind. And some say it's diabetes, but he says it's diabetes. And that's one of the reasons why people crack so many jokes about him. Regardless, he had multiple health problems. He was on dialysis, and he apparently just passed away from being old. You're 85? You know, that's a ripe age to be eating so much Quaker oats while having diabetes and still acting in movies. You know, this guy had a pretty fruitful career in the world of acting, and he made a a very good, you know, chunk of money, I'm certain, from it. And that's important to know. He was not just a spokesman for diabetes awareness. He was also the Quaker Oats spokesman. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we've all been waiting for, and that is Real Stories. Brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hankst, and Barbecusion. That's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. I went with my aunt and uncle to what is seriously one of the scariest memories of my entire life. The largest and longest, or the tallest and longest, Zip line in all of Southern California, here in San Diego County, in an eastern part of the city where, well, not even the city, an eastern part of the county where it's mostly desert and mountains. And one Native American reservation has made a living out of the use of these mountains to freak people out to the highest degree. And I was one of them on by far the most incredibly intimidating zip line I have ever seen or been a part of in my entire life. So first off, this is how the journey began. So my aunt posted into a family Facebook group that she planned on going on a zip line and that if anyone wanted to join, then all they had to do was join in her little group and it would make the price cheaper for her. Because if you sign up by yourself, 
it's like 150 bucks. If you sign up with two people, it's 125. If you sign up with four or more people, it's like $90 each. So we did that. It was me, my little sister, Rachel, and my aunt, Chrissy, and my uncle, Richard. We all drive out into the middle of nowhere to this Indian reservation. And when we arrive, it doesn't look like a very professional place to me anyways. It doesn't have as much of the new age safety precaution type feel that I need to be reassured that I'm not going to fly off a mountain and die. But I guess they've been doing it for years. And of course, the first question I ask when I arrive to this basically schoolhouse looking building was how many people have died on this? How many problems have you had in the last month? Has anybody you know, been disconnected in the middle of this thing or got stuck halfway and just stopped. I need to know the answers to these questions because if I get stopped in the middle of this and have to get like pulled to safety or something, I'm going to be pooping, peeing, and puking the entire time. I'm just going to warn you. So I find out from them, according to them anyways, there hasn't been anything like that almost ever that's happened And everybody always has a good time. It's always safe. Everything's fine. So you sit down with this group of people that's going to go up that day with you. Just some randoms I met here and there. You know, nobody we knew specifically. However, strangely enough, the second group of people that arrived just as we left after the safety meetings and all these things, these videos they show you that teach you how to do it, show you what not to do, show you how you could die if you do something stupid, and basically you sign a waiver saying if you do die, it's not their fault. And then after you get suited up with this thing that fits you, this harness, you actually wear the harness as you drive up the mountain so that it can't be tampered with or messed up You just have to have it on the second you leave this hut where it's been checked by a safety guy and then you get into the back of this truck bed. And as we're getting into the back of the truck bed, we see somebody that my aunt went to school with when she was in grade school in San Diego like 40 or 50 years ago or something crazy like that. So somehow, someway, she recognizes an old childhood friend who's coming up in the second group of people to do this zip line, and that was miraculous enough. I mean, that was the most crazy coincidence I could imagine. We're in the middle of the desert. There's only 40 total people there, and out of the first 20 group and the second group of 20, she knows somebody randomly from her childhood. Incredible. So that's besides the point. We get into this truck bed, and it's like a small Chevy S10 with a decent-sized truck bed, but not much. And all there is is like little handles in the back, and then everybody sits in a circle in the truck bed, and this guy starts driving up a mountain with the cliff's edge on the road, like hugging the road. I'm telling you, an inch off of the road, and we tumble down a cliff's edge while sitting in the back of a truck bed, not locked in in any possible way. And this guy's driving like a maniac, freaking everybody out as we're driving up the mountain as if to test us to see how thick, you know, headed we are, how we can handle this before we even get to the zip line to ensure that we won't bitch out 
when we arrive. Because if you can make it through this truck drive up the mountain around these curves and these bends that this guy's going like 30 and 40 miles an hour spinning out with the tail of the truck halfway off of a cliff most of the time, then you can surely man up and do this zip line at the top of the mountain. So we keep going up a mountain, ears popping, keep going up, keep going up. We keep passing what is the end of these different zip lines. And I assumed they were the beginnings of the zip lines. And I'm thinking, why didn't we stop at this zip line? And they're like, no, 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 no. That's the end of the second one. And I'm like, well, why aren't we stopping at this zip line? Like, oh, well, that's the end of the first one. And we finally get to the top of this gigantic mountain where I can see all of the entire, basically, state or the, the portion of Southern California that you can see from, like, the highest point of San Diego County. I mean, this was a viewpoint from heaven, but also hell, because I then saw this, you know, like, basically this thing, this tower at the top of this mountaintop that you walk these stairs around to get to the top of, and that is the first zip line, the largest the tallest, the craziest that I'll be going on that day. And it's also the first one. So there's no warm-up zip line. I'm not getting prepared for this. I guess the crazy truck ride prepared me because I felt like I was going to die any minute. And I certainly did not want to go back down that mountain in that truck. There's no way. I'm not going back in the truck. So I'm doing this zip line. So I get up and they make you wait in line on this tower behind each person staring down this mountain while you wait for one guy to go, which takes about 10 to 20 minutes, and then another guy, 10 to 20 minutes. And you know what? As I was waiting on this tower, I honestly was in the most fear for my life I think I've ever been. My heart was racing so hard. I felt like backing out so much. And then the guy announced that if you back out, then you take the ride of shame with him in the truck and everybody's going to make fun of you and talk crap to you the whole time when you get back. And you'll be a little bitch. And nobody has ever done that except like a little kid one time. And so I'm thinking, God, this guy just makes it impossible for me to bunk out of this. I have to do it. And then, of course, my little sister is like, oh, I'll go first to make sure you're not bitching out. And I'm like... I can't even believe this. Of course, my little sister is going to do this. No problem. No questions asked. And I am like freaking out for my life at this point. So I get up to the very top of the line and I'm next and they latch me on to the zip line. There's a safety line and there's a regular one and they make me tug at it two times and look at them and agree that I think it's okay even though I'm like, seriously, I can't even believe I'm doing this. I'm looking down at Earth from like outer space at this point. I'm so high up and I see the zip line. There's no way you'll get stuck because it's going at like a 45 degree angle towards the ground. It's crazy. And I'm just like, I want this to be over with so bad and it hasn't even started. So they ask me when I'm ready. And of course, before you hit the zip line, you don't jump from the ledge and go. You have to lift your legs up and start hanging, and they hold you there until you're ready, 
and then they push you down the zip line to ensure that you're like facing the right way and you don't start spinning and to ensure that you don't swing down by jumping off of the ledge. You just have to kind of start gliding. So I'm hanging there. I'm dangling with my feet kind of bent. They tell you to bend your knees and lean back. I'm leaning back, hanging on a cliff, and they ask me if I'm ready. Well, of course I'm never going to be ready, but I just tell them to do it. And I close my eyes for the first second, and then I force them open as I start gliding down this thing from the top of the earth, the highest point I can imagine, just shimmying down at a high speed, going so fast, screaming the whole time, I'm gonna kill you for this, Rachel. She's my little sister who convinced me to do it when I was gonna bunk out. And I zoomed down this thing and got to the end. They tell you to kick up your feet and lean back as you reach the end. Otherwise, you're gonna, you're gonna flap up and down when you hit this thing that jerks you to a stop. And so, you know, I, I let, put my feet up a little bit and it shot me up and down anyways. And I bounced a little bit, but I, you know, even with a, a little bit of a neck jerking, I was fine. They unclipped me. I finished the rest of my heart attack that I was having. And then we drive like a centimeter down the street. And there's number two, which goes through some trees. And I'm just like, I can't do this again. And this one actually went across a ravine where there was like a cliff underneath us and then nothing like 500 feet below me was the actual ground I was between two massive cliffs at the beginning of the zip line and the end of the zip line and underneath it was like a drop zone of absolute doom so the second one was even worse but I had already done the first. I'm not going to stop now. So I climb the Tower of Doom again. I click in. I hit the second one up. And the third one was finally just nice and landed us into the basically the ground level where we started. Where I had driven past the ending of the first one and thought that was the only one we were going to hit up. I didn't even know there was three of them. It was an incredibly crazy experience that was just insane. Anyone who wants to do something like this is psycho. I never want to do it again. It was a one-time thing for me. I thought I would enjoy it more. It freaked me out. I have PTSD to this day. The lesson to be learned here was do not think you're a total badass until you do an absurdly dangerous zip line in the middle of the desert on a mountaintop in San Diego because I swear to you, it will be a life-changing experience. I appreciate you listening to the Peter Gabbett podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. Thank you for having the courage to listen to this crazy story. And if you've ever done a zip line, mad props to you because I'm never doing it again. And I will talk to you tomorrow. I'll never forget the day I was standing in line for the zip line and I freaked out. Here's a song by Red Hot Chili Peppers that may calm your nerves after that story of horror. Standing in line to see the show tonight and there's a light on, heavy glow. By the way, I tried to say I'd be
Waiting for 